The entire enterprise of education is often engaged in teaching that is not pedagogical. There are a whole host of other words we use to describe this work. Instruction, classroom management, training, outcomes-driven, standards-based, content delivery. Pedagogy, on the other hand, starts with learning as its center, not students or teachers. And the work of pedagogues is necessarily political, subjective, and humane. And that's a passage from Critical Digital Pedagogy, a definition from the book, An Urgency of Teachers by Jesse Stommel and Sean Michael Morris. Welcome to season four of Safe Topics. In this series, we're talking about books. And other things. Yes, other things, but we're going to go deep on some books. Not like a full book review, but like a chapter by chapter review, which I guess adds up to a full book eventually. <laughs> yes. And we're going to talk about anything else that makes us think about how we teach and why we teach. And we want you, the audience, to join us. Listen for details about how to do that at the end of this episode. All right, here we go. Curry. Yes. So we have a doozy here. Yes. I like how in this, the authors, they have this critical digital pedagogy, a definition. Yeah. And they start with what is uh, critical pedagogy? What is pedagogy? Oh, what is pedagogy? And yeah. then what is critical pedagogy? Yes. What is digital pedagogy? pedagogy. What is critical digital pedagogy? That's right. Right. So breaking it down. Yep. Right. Each yep. part of that till we get to the whole thing of which they're talking about. And geez, are they talking about the whole thing or what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This piece is, uh, these are like Legos. They build a little part and they build a little part and then they compare some parts. And then sometimes <laughs> they take it apart and put it back together. Yeah. It's the structure is very cool. It is very cool. And, and the writing is really, really good. Um, I, I enjoy reading this. Uh, I, I get like the whole range of emotions when I read their work. So so that's how you know it's good. I'm like yeah. mad and then I'm happy and then I'm sad and then I'm excited and yeah. then I'm kind of like blah, you know? Right. And I love because so so I'm going to get a little English teacher uh, nerdy real quick. So one of my favorite like forms or modes is definition. Like, and it's actually super fun with students. You just did this in your class the other day. You're like, what does it mean? To, like, what does dehumanize mean? Right. Like you just ask that broad question. Everybody thinks they know, but once mm -hmm. you start to listen to other people, you're like, oh, wait, this is super complicated. Like defining something is really complicated. And then my extra favorite thing to do is to use definition as a strategy of argument, right? Like all I'm doing is defining this, but as I'm doing it, I'm strategically like asserting things that are going to either like piss you off or really rile you up or get you on my side. And this is, a, this is a argument by definition, uh, by definition. <laughs> by, argument by definition, by definition. Right. This is the definition of, creating an argument with definitions. <laughs> that, that, that's true. Yeah. So what would you say um, is the overarching argument um, here? So I, I really, so the line you read, okay. Mm -hmm. Starting with pedagogy, um, they draw out learning as the center. Okay. Yeah. Okay. When they get into like, what is critical pedagogy? They're really talking, they get, they give these really nice, like, well, let's, let's define critical. And it kind of, they have this cool list. I'm scrolling around to find it. So critical is, uh, as in mission, critical, essential, critical, as in literary criticism or critique or theory or interpretation, critical, as in reflective, nuanced, critical, as in criticizing. So critical pedagogy is, and then it kind of puts those things together. When they get there, I feel like they put the learner back into the definition. So pedagogy is about learning at the center. Critical pedagogy is like thinking social justice, humanizing. The learner comes back into the center. 
And then when they get to digital, it's how does then these two things interface with the digital and how they're defining that. So in the middle is a human being who is learning within this apparatus of digital sort of content experiences, uh, interactions, et cetera. What do you think? I, I totally agree. And, and that list is so good for that because it says the word critical in critical pedagogy functions in several registers. And the first one critical is in mission critical, essential, right? So essential pedagogy that you're right. We're not there yet to the learner or even the teacher, really. It's the learning, right? Like the, the process or the, the, yeah, the learning itself, which like, I mean, the reason I'm kind of, you know, the bias too of why I like this work so much um, is because that's, that's my philosophy. Like the learning is the most important thing. Yeah. It's not the grades. It's not the, it's not me. It's not the content. It's, you know, the, like, are we learning here? Right. Like that, that's the question that I'm always asking uh, everybody, right. <laughs> everybody. And I just, I just read another article that was talking about um, the value in talking to strangers, you know, and, and the learning that happens. And when you ask people like, Oh, you know, when you talk to strangers, like, do you learn a lot? Like, yeah, oh yeah, everybody has like things that I don't know. So we know that. And most people agreed with that. Like, yeah, of course I'll learn a lot from talking to new people, but people don't do it. And, and when they were asked why they don't do it, um, it, it was because that they were afraid of what was going to happen in the interaction, mm-hmm. right? Like if they were going to look dumb or say something wrong or, you know, they, they were afraid of like really social faux pas or, or, or mistakes or um, awkwardness or, you know, these kind of things. And, and I don't know, that one kind of made me sad. Cause I'm like, this is the reason people aren't talking to each other. Cause they're afraid of what might happen, even though they know what's likely to happen is they're going to learn from them. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And probably why they don't talk in our classes. <laughs> exactly, right? So that that does connect and they are strangers at the beginning, right? No. For sure. And and if you don't do something about it, they're strangers at the end. That's right, for sure. Um, so back to this critical, because I think we it connects so much. Like we talked about what does critical mean on the last podcast, and then I also talked about that what you just said the dehumanization just asking them what that is and they are making an argument that dehumanization is happening within the way that we currently structure right not just not just the tech technology uh, the 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 learning or or the uh current way that we educate people right right yeah yeah, and we'll bounce around a little bit. I want to go back up to that list of critical, but but you're making me think of the, it's a reference to someone else. There's so many people that get referenced in this article. It's so good. Uh-huh. Um, but the the basic line is every every child should have a computer, but the child should program that computer. The p- computer should not program the child. Right? Yes. And for me, that was a that was a pull that really helped me think about how students become dehumanized, how we get dehumanized as teachers when we're in digital spaces, when, when the learning management system or the grade book or the, what the outcomes, the standards that are insisted upon, when those things start programming us rather than we programming them, that's when we lose, we lose our ability, our agency, our ability to even sort of humanize the space, right? Well, we got to ask who's driving, right? That's right. That's basically what that is asking is who is driving this? Are we just filling in the spaces that are there to fill by technology? Because we could do that. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I do that in my life, in life, not just teaching, right? But are we doing that when we're trying to engage people, a community, let's just call it a community in the process of learning, right? then like what's lost there? And yeah, it's that agency. Yeah, it's being human in the ways that we think of being human. But it's also like, 
we the human part that I feel like we we miss is is the excitement of creation, you know, to like make something like building things is like probably the most exciting thing I feel like humans can do yeah. is build something. Right. But then if it's already built for you and then you just fill in the spaces of what was already there for you to fill, it, it's like a, like such a reduced version of that, that it's like, it feels empty. You know? <laughs> it feels empty, even though you filled it up, you know? Right. Well, okay. And so, uh, Paulo Freire, of course, is another reference in this, in the banking model of education and, and then the, the imagery of the assembly line. So I, I can be asked to build something and the pieces of that thing come at me on this assembly line and I just follow the instructions and I've built a thing at the end, but, and maybe if I've learned something about it along the way too, like that's possible. Um, but it's not the kind of what you're talking about, the sort of like, we're doing it with each other. We're watching each other do it in slightly different ways. Just the, the, the fact that that's how we're doing it means that I'm exposed to different ways of thinking about this. And so I'm not only learning more about the thing, but I'm learning about us as a group. I'm learning about myself and how I have blind spots that I, right. Like, yeah, that's that. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like anywhere you work. If it's so big and they've been doing it in a certain way, you are just that cog, right? In the in, in the wheel, in the gears, and you're just you're doing the thing that was already there before you got there, and it'll be there after you're gone. Right. Teaching is not that way. I don't even know if that work should be that way. I don't want to shit on anybody's work. Um, right. But but to have some kind of input, you know, as to like how things happen. Mm -hmm. what, what's lost in that is that there's an arrogance with the institution. There's an arrogance with the guardians and gatekeepers of the structure that believe that they know better than the worker, right? That they know better than the teacher. That maybe even they know better than the student. Mm -hmm. And to me, they are really setting themselves up for an eventual fall. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we see that. I mean, people, there's strikes. There's outrage there's rebellion because the people aren't being considered mm. but it is but it is those very people that make up the thing itself and when you make up the thing itself but you have no real influence over the thing well geez why spend a over a third of your life in that piece of shit right i think that's a frustration a lot of people are feeling for sure but then I think it's a frustration that a lot of people don't come to realize because the expedient and the easier have been so readily accessible that, that, that you know, they, they've just occupied themselves with the other parts of life outside of that work. And yeah, I'll just fill those boxes how those boxes need to be filled. And that'll get me to the weekend a little quicker and easier. And I don't have to do this resistance thing because that's taken up my vital energy. Right. Yeah. And this is so, okay. I want to think about scale for a second. It's just to kind of think about, okay. what, you know, so I'm, I'm in one classroom with 25 other people and I want to organize our learning experiences around collaboration, inquiry, um, instruction, right. Direct instruction, but, but yes. yeah, all the things. Okay. I can do that with 25 people. It is not easy. We get to places where, some folks are confused because this is not a way of learning they're used to, or we get to a place where our, they get it, they're into it, but their projects are now sort of at such an ambitious level that I'm just like, hold on. I got, this, remember, this is only this class. It's not your master's degree thesis. Like, let's rein this in a little, right? So, it in, yeah. yeah. 
okay, that's just 25 people. If I'm now thinking of a program, mm -hmm. okay, and I want to see this kind of across, and I have different teachers, I have different pedagogical approaches, but I want us to kind of be like inspired by this kind of stuff. Like, okay, there's that. And then now I'm like, right, like institutional level. I don't know. Like, and I, like, how do you maintain this? I guess is the question I'm asking. Um, and, and, and is what we're reading here meant to be applied at an institutional level? Is this meant to be applied only at the kind of individual classroom level? I don't know. What do you think? But that's, that's what makes up the institution, right? It's, I, I think this is... It, it's so... I don't even know why I'm reluctant to say this, but I, I mean, I feel like this is like what college is for. Huh. Um, yes, we want them to get jobs. Yes, we want them to be technically trained in the things that are technical. But I also like, I think a lot of people forget the benefits they have reaped from having an education, a, a higher education experience that allowed for liberatory moments. Hmm. And I think that we, in a lot of ways, are systematically, institutionally taking those opportunities away. And because we hear that they need good jobs, you know? Right. right. And, and since we have good jobs, we shouldn't even have an opinion mm -hmm. on, <laughs> on, on, on doing things that aren't just for the good job, but I would argue they are, but that would be a, a longer argument. I guess what I'm saying is like with, we're not talking about technical skills. Right. We're talking about metacognition here. We're talking about like actually setting up thinking for a lifetime. Right. And I want to take that responsibility seriously. And I want that to be part of our program. I'm not seeing a lot of space for that. Mm. I'm not seeing a lot of support for that. I'm not seeing a lot of, it doesn't even need that much funding, honestly, but I'm not seeing a lot of funding for that. Yeah. But I am seeing a lot of those things for another way to do this. Hmm. That is not in alignment with that at all. With Not in alignment with that setting up the thinking for a lifetime. I'm being told, you know, we're in a process right now where in the California Community College System and the UCs and the CSUs, biggest higher ed system in the world, right? where the students that transfer from community college to the UCs and the CSUs, they had these different transfer patterns yeah. and they are now making that into one transfer pattern for all of these schools in, in all of these systems, both of these systems, yep. which I think is great streamlining and simplification for the student, their pathway, understanding how to get from here to there. The problems I see are in what gets in the pattern and what doesn't, right. what is included, what is excluded. Right. Right. And what I find is there's not enough of what I think would set people up for a critical, a critical way of thinking. And I'm not, not even saying critical thinking, because that has a different definition, I think. It's interesting, yeah. A critical way of thinking. I think there's a dearth of that. Hmm. And, and and I really, yeah, I'm going to stop right there. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's, man. So let's let's go back. Let's let, let's loop back to this list. Um, mission critical, so urgency. And maybe that's an urgency for a job, but that's maybe that's just an urgency for more of a intrapersonal, like you need to, you need to take this class because 
we've got some work to do on ourselves or, or, or it's important. Yes. Important. Right. Yes. Okay. Literary criticism and critique providing definitions and interpretations in that one is this sort of agency built in. It's this, we're not going to take stuff at face value and accept it. And we're not going to think that just because we've thought deeply about it, that our, our shit is the right answer and only answer. We're going to be open, right? That, that, yeah. Okay. And, and constantly in dialogue about, okay. So there, so urgency and this sort of like dialogic, right? Yes. And then reflect and nuanced thinking about a subject. So that kind of, there's your metacognition, right? Um, and then and you I, get, I, that's revealing blind spots. Yeah. 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 For sure. Exactly. Exactly. And then you get the criticizing institutional, corporate, or societal impediments to learning. So that's the like, I'm going to blast this because it needs to be blasted, right? Like this, this is this is a problem. We need to shine a light on it as a problem. We need to solve this. And then well, I love the last kind of, any kind of groupthink. I think there we can, you know, institutional and corporate. It's like big, and they're easy to attack because they're like faceless. Yes. But like the people around you belong to ideological gangs and like it, it's the same thing, you know, and, and they are societal in, in, uh, impediments to learning, too, sometimes. And, and those come from all different angles, all conservative, different. liberal, progressive, radical, reactionary, you know, it's all sorts of stuff. Yep, yep. And then the, so the last bullet. Critical pedagogy as a disciplinary approach, which is in which inflects and is inflected by each of those meanings. So that's mm -hmm. that's where where Stommel and um, Morris get to. Right. It's when we say critical pedagogy, we mean all of those other four things like nudging each other. Right. Like, like yes, like right. Like maybe coming into greater focus in one spot, but something else in another. But it's all there. And I really like and we can actually. I like this, but then this is worth challenging because there's some like sorting people into spaces, which I don't really like that much, but I just want to read where they land in the next paragraph. Teachers teach pedagogues, pedagogues. So people who are pedagogy driven, I guess, pedagogues. I thought it was pedagogues, no? Pedagogues. Okay. Let's say that. So I don't know. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Teachers teach pedagogues teach while also actively investigating teaching and learning. Yes. Okay. Uh, and I just want to read one more line. This is deeply personal and political work through which pedagogues cannot and do not remain objective. Rather, pedagogy and particularly critical pedagogy is work to which we must bring our full selves and work to which every learner must come with full agency. Okay. So that's interesting because that's where if I've got a best practice that is objectively good because the research shows it's good, that's not quite fitting with their definition of critical pedagogy because their definition is I must, I cannot be objective when I am teaching while investigating teaching and learning, right? Like I'm going to be constantly responding to things I'm just seeing as well yeah. as the agency of the learners in the space where I'm teaching. Yeah. And I agree with the with the um, kind of stuck in subjectivity part, like where you you can't be objective like the, that to me makes a lot of sense. The, the problem I have is with the last line where we got to bring our full selves yeah. and work to which every learner must come with full agency. So both of those. Like. I don't know. I don't know if anyone does that, and I don't know if anyone can. Sure. Because what does full agency mean? Right. And, and see, we got to get to those kind of definitions and interpretations, right? To me, that's like there, there's a free will there to an extent that I've never witnessed in in people. But then there's also the bringing our full selves. Like I, I don't. I don't know if that's what I think I need to do right. in a teaching and learning situation. Um, I think my full self is, is, is not something that needs to be a part of this process. Yeah. But, but like a mostly myself for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mostly myself is good. 
Yeah. My, my full self is like, that's a little different. But it doesn't it doesn't land the same on the page, Sean, if we say work to which we must bring a good portion, but not totally all of it. But, you know, enough of ourselves. <laughs> Mostly self. <laughs> so back to the last thing on the list, critical pedagogy as a disciplinary approach. So this is where, like, I'm really looking at these interpretations, definitions and things like that. Yeah. So when we think about discipline, right, mm-hmm. it's almost like a stoic kind of monk hermit kind of you know like we're very focused and we're gonna make sure we go through all of the things we need to go through thoroughly that's discipline and we're gonna do it every single time right not like a factory not like an assembly line not in a mechanical way but in a disciplined approach right with a disciplined approach yeah so a disciplinary approach kind of makes me think of that like Mm -hmm. the reason this is critical pedagogy is because we are ensuring we're, we're making sure that we are considering and deeply looking at each of the ways that we, each of the uh, the 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 other ways of being critical that we just covered, right? Yep. Which, which I appreciate. Yeah, and it makes me think of teaching and pedagogy. You know that there is a disciplinary. Approach. There is a, I should say, there's a disciplined approach to the way that we do our work almost always, or there's a disciplined path. Yeah. Um, what's, what's funny to me is that, like, I think a lot of people would view this type of teaching and learning as undisciplined. Right. Yep. Even though yeah. it takes an incredible amount of discipline to do this in the way you're saying you want to do it like anything else, just like the mechanical ways and the transactional ways you could be lazy and call it critical pedagogy when you're just complaining about shit. Right. That's the lazy version. Right. So that's okay. So I'm going to think about my own teaching right now. So we're in a space right now in one of my classes where everybody's pretty much on fire, we're all feel fairly confident, not everybody, but a lot of folks in, in the classroom, like go where we want to go. We're having a lot of fun conversations yeah. are rich and, Good. and, and I'm looking at their papers. They just turned in and I'm just seeing this, this pattern of, Oh, we've, we've got a little work to do around, like just, you know, making ideas discrete and connecting them together, just so it's clear to the audience who's reading them. We've got some, got some skills and some, you know, stuff to work on. Yeah. Okay. That now I'm thinking I have something super fun planned for tomorrow, but I got to build in some time for this skill building. That's the like critical mission, critical, essential thing kicking in, in my brain. Right. Uh, in addition to the, I want them to come as agents, but I need to shape their agency a little bit around this particular thing we're doing. So, okay. But it'd be really easy for me to just say, eh, they're being expressive. They're thinking a lot. We're good. They're learning. I'm, I'm, but I'm not there. And I'm not saying that this is the right way to do it. I'm just saying, this is how I'm grappling through this. Um, it's to your point about if someone looked at my class, especially this week, they would see a mess, a nightmare. <laughs> right. right. And I could let it be that way, I guess. But mm-hmm. there are these essential things that I, I that I'm constantly reflecting on. And I'm like, we we are not where we need to be yet. I need to challenge them. I need to structure something. I need us to gather around this and talk about it to see if it has value. And I need to convince them that it does. <laughs> that, that that's interesting though that you that. See, when we go to interpretations, because yeah. when I see that, that they say the word critical and critical pedagogy functions as critical mission, critical essential. Yes. That that's the word critical itself. Right. Not, not critical things, like not yeah. essential things we have to do in the class, mm-hmm. but that, that if like, if we're not, if we're not including the word critical and with every time we're using the word pedagogy then we're not doing it right. Right. That's kind of how I read that. Did, did you read that as like the things that have to get done in the, in the curriculum? Well, I, I, so Cause I don't think that's wrong either. I'm just saying like that, that's, uh, we're reading that differently. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I'm only reading that in the first bullet definition, critical as uh, a mission critical. 
Mm-hmm. When I see when I see critical pedagogy, I am seeing it inclusive of all those things. But to tell you the truth, I, I do think critical pedagogy lands more in my mind, meaning like a self-reflective pedagogy, one that constantly yes. thinks about its or like like it's aware of itself and how it's playing itself out in a classroom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I but think- yeah. Uh so, but I don't know, this is where it gets really sticky, just to your point. Um, to what, what do we mean by learners must come with full agency? Is that even possible? What, and then I would add to that, okay, even if it is, what does that look like in different classrooms and then different disciplines? And then if students get to come with their full agency, that means they're setting goals. So how do I create a class where every student achieves all their individual goals and then they do it in your class next, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, right? Because that's okay. You, you set a goal to just be hanging out with folks, really stretching your brain. I love that goal. You got to write a paper <laughs> in Sean's class next. Yeah. I want to make sure you can achieve the goals you said in that class too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's where it's like, so, okay. We have this thing called pathways. In yeah. Cal- guided pathways. Well, it's not just in California, but in higher ed. Okay. Yeah. Guided pathways. And, you know, one of the selling points, or even I was kind of like, oh, yeah, this is a good idea. Was that, you know, when you were in school, you're taking all these GE classes, maybe some for your major if you established one. But then it would be like, oh, in English, we're, we're reading this book. And then in sociology, we're talking about that same um, that that same gender issue or something. You know what I mean? Or that same issue that has to do with like social class and like what's happening with uh people in the mining counties of, of, of West Virginia or whatever. Right. Yeah. And you're like, Oh wow. That really, that connected. And then pathways kind of like the appeal to the instructors, I feel like was like, well, they don't have to connect those dots by themselves anymore. They're, they're all going to be connected together. And like, it's really going to make a lot of sense. Like you won't just have those moments like, Oh, those interesting that those are connected it would be like no everything that we're doing yeah it it would be obvious to everybody right right well maybe we don't need that level of of these things being links together right like that's not necessary for the kind of education that that people need generally right no well and what you were saying earlier like the whole what you what we feel this article is really about is is about gaining a certain way of thinking, like a a kind of thinking that's going to last now and then going forward. If that's what we build up with our students, they're going to be noticing those connections. They're not going to be able to not notice those connections. It'll be obvious to everybody. Right. Yeah. Uh, It just makes you think that like the, the progression and evolution of higher ed you know, and I'm sure this has always been the case. Is it like going in the right direction? You know, mm-hmm. um, because we're products of that system. The people that we respect and think are like really smart, they're part of that system too. You know what I mean? And and but but now, what does that you know what does that system look like now that we're the ones shaping right. mid career? Oh shit! Uh, okay. <laughs> Oh, there was a line that just like stood out because it was by itself. It was one sentence. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Uh, I, I want to know if that one like caught you too. Man, uh, let's see. There, I mean, there's so many lines that stuck out to it's me. Just not... one sentence by itself on purpose. Okay, I okay, and I think I see the one that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you see it, don't you? So it says, <laughs> "Yeah, yes, absolutely, yes." We cannot yeah, replace yeah. agency with response to stimuli. Right. So let's talk chat GPT. Let's talk uh, video games, you know, things that we're really involved in, in yeah. you know, in a bunch of different ways. Um, we cannot replace agency with response to stimuli, you know, uh, 
I think Curry, you know me well enough to where I'm gonna say is an agency some kind of response no <laughs> some kind of dumb thing like that I'm gonna say. But what what I'd rather say here is how does that make you feel knowing that I don't know, it's kind of interesting to ask you because you do not design classes this way. And I know you don't. I've seen your classes. I've heard your explanations for why you design classes the way you do and assignments. Mm -hmm. You do not set up a real kind of like a <laughs> dopamine hit for your students. <laughs> it's not what you do. No. You don't, you're not like, here, when you do this, you're going to see this and it's going to make you feel good and you're going to want to do it again. It's more like, like, it, it's a lot, it's a lot more complicated, I think, for them to get to their reward system than, than most classes. Is that fair? Totally. Okay. <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> Nobody can see that you're actually laughing and you're not looking at me like, what? <laughs> My my approach, I think, is well described a few paragraphs above when they say uh, critical pedagogy is current concerned less with knowing and more with voracious not knowing. <laughs> I love it. Yes, that's my class. And the, the line after it, I think, helps a little more. It is an ongoing recursive process of discovery. So that that's my approach for sure. So it's not yeah, you come in and you get this like dopamine hit from a TED talk thing. And then yeah. you fill out a something that makes you like a quiz that makes you, oh, I know all the answers. And then you're out. Mine is, yeah. mine's fucked up questions where at the end of it, they go, but listen, we really want to know. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and everybody leaves frustrated. But some, oh my gosh. but I also do stuff that makes them come back. So whatever. No, that no, is. no. <laughs> you do a great job. It, it, it's just the, the, it's not the response to simulate. Like they, the, like you set them up so they have to do this like workshopping too, you know, and and it's kind of like the reward is not immediate. Is is the thing, but that's I think that that's a good lesson for outside of the classroom as well. And now, yeah. And that, you know, can I just tell you the fucked up thing I do real quick? Yes, please do. Please so, do. so, so they have this quiz and they have unlimited attempts and they could just go back. Right. And then they get like a perfect score on it. Yeah. They come to class and they're like, oh yeah, we got the perfect score on these quizzes. I'm like, yeah, those don't matter at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, what'd you think about it though? You know? And then they're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, this is the part that matters is what 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 are you thinking about, you know, and, and you could get that quiz. It was it was unlimited attempts. It's open book. Like, of course. Right. I just wanted you to look at it. Right. And now that we looked at it, like, where do we put that? <laughs> Why does that matter? So it, it's funny, though, because they do get the little dopamine hit, but then it's like, boom, back to earth. Right. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's kind of like playing a video game. You know when you like beat a video game and you feel really good? Yeah. But there's only like four people you can tell. Because like everybody else is going to be like, oh, cool. You beat a video game over the weekend? Right. Good job, winner. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and even if you describe to them like what that win means, yeah. they're just thinking the whole time like, this is dumb. Like, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like when you describe your dreams to somebody, they're like that. Yeah, it was a dream. Sorry. It's just <laughs> whatever happened. It's a dream. <laughs> I have a friend and he always asks me, like, he'll be like, what do you think it means? And I'm like, what do you think I do for a living? <laughs> yeah. Did I tell you I'm like a dream analyst? Like what? <laughs> you don't just tell him. You don't just be like, oh, I do. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's always like intense and severe yeah i'm like it probably goes back to when you were nine yeah and that time you didn't get the ice cream at the zoo and hanging on to some stuff yeah and that's why there's polar bears in your dream yeah <laughs> um so anyway <laughs> so okay and and this, this is what i feel like like 
when I read this article, this is where it really takes me. It's true that in both of what like our approaches, how we design our classes, like that is not, it's not politically neutral. It's not ideologically neutral. There's mm-hmm. values underpinning what you and I are doing in our classes. And maybe those values are on the surface and our students can see it and tell like, this is a, like why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's just, so this is the, how we go about learning this thing, how we go about reading this thing. Yeah. You know, in my class, it's notes, certain amount of words for each note, certain amount of things you're putting in your notes and you do that regularly. And like you said, the gratification is not right away. The gratification is definitely delayed. So there's a lot of like labor working class values underpinning my class design. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, And What's interesting, if we think about Paulo Freire and the banking model, I think a lot of times what I got out of that that model sort of initially is, yeah, I agree. Learning is not I'm an open vessel and someone puts something inside of it. Okay, so I get that part of it. But there's another part of it. The other part of it is the vessel itself becomes shaped by that process, right? Like it's not just the content you get at the end of a class that matters. It's also how it shapes your brain or it shapes your thinking or it shapes your habits or, right? So that's also, and those, uh, 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 this article addresses this later when we talk about technologies, values are coded into these things. And so when we engage those systems, whether we know it or not, we're, our behaviors become conformed to those value systems, right? Or we try to resist it or whatever it is. But that that dual Okay, there's the learning, the content you got, but there's the shaping that comes with learning too. And and how often are we thinking about that? Right. You make me think like a cargo ship is still a cargo ship if it doesn't have cargo. Right. Right? It's still that vessel. It's still that thing, right? And it's still a cargo ship no matter what kind of cargo it has. Right. Once it's established as a cargo ship, that's it. Mm-hmm. labels are important mm-hmm. so when it talks about the computer now and um you know i think about this a lot with the ai issues that we're having right now and how it's just like blowing up right and and ai is taking over we've cr- we've crossed that threshold to a point now where it's gonna you know it's moving faster than what we think is manageable i would say that that's i think that's a fair thing to say right yeah um yeah i'm not even trying to be hyperbolic like that's that's the general feeling is like this is now going to move faster than we can really keep up with um and and so and and a lot of arguments are that it's a tool and we need to know how to use this tool um and our students need to know how to use the tool uh and there's a lot of arguments that you know it shouldn't exist and this is not a good tool this is actually dangerous and those are all valid arguments i think it is kind of like it is dangerous and um i don't know if it shouldn't exist i don't don't really have a moral authority on that part but i can understand how people would think it shouldn't exist um for sure yeah uh there are moments when i think that too yeah and (laughs) you know definitely moment but i think that about the internet i think that about the computers i think totally and i still use them every day cars i'm like not really the safest way to do this but um so in any case, now, you know, here, what I, what I really, what made me think about this is AI is a carrier also. Mm. It is a vessel. Mm. It's that cargo ship, right? It, it, it's bringing us something. Mm. It just can collect all the some things and turn it into something that we used to do or we still do, but it takes us longer. Mm. It's very hard. And then we also feel really important that we were the ones doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like all the other things that technology now, you know, does for us. The, the initial loss of feeling useful. And I think this is a very normal human thing. Injury older age, poor health, whatever, 
when people feel like they are no longer useful in the ways that made them feel proud about themselves. Mm-hmm. It's hard to threaten people more than that. For sure. So I feel like that's what we're experiencing now. Yeah. And I think that in higher ed, we're experiencing it in very direct and specific ways. Yeah. Um, we do this podcast. We talk to each other. We have a lot of conversations with a lot of different people. I do have a certain feeling of like self-pride in the ability to take information and then articulate it in a certain way that is not just clear, but that my friends are impressed with. I mean, that's just a real thing, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think that chat GPT or any AI takes that away from me, but it does make it feel less special. Right. Yeah. You're making me, I want to come right back to this, but you're making me think about agency in with regards to what you're talking about, like dignity, right? Like the value I see in the work that I do, how I identify myself with with this, this right. skill set that I have that other people benefit from, et cetera. Agency is one of those things for me where I'm like, I know what agency is. And then I think about it a little bit and I got, I have no fucking idea what agency is. You know, like it's one of those. But when when I think about it through the lens that you just provided, I think that is a way I, I I feel like I experience agency when I have confidence and certainty about a space and a thing I can do in that space. And, and I'm not necessarily like afraid of what people will think about it because I'm confident and certain that it has value and I'm going to share it. Right. And, and I'm going to do it in a way that, as you said, I'm going to craft it in a way that people will hear it, um, uh, receive it. And then whatever happens next is fine. And when I think about students, that's where I feel like I see their agency peak when they know exactly how to do a thing and they feel they have freedom to say a thing in that way or to to, to share knowledge in that way or experiment in that way. Right. Get in there with confidence and certainty. And when I think about teaching, I feel the same. It's when you start to take away from me this this sort of agency to choose this text or to teach in this way. I lose that confidence and certainty, or you've you've now undignified my classroom because I'm not the agent in there doing the stuff. I'm doing what you told me to do, right? Um, and so, uh, oh man, I when Chat GPT, here's 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 the 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 I'm afraid of this image, so I, I I'm just gonna share it. I hear you like. I don't need to worry about it. I can still do it. But when I go into my classroom and I've just done a thing, a teacherly thing, and my students go, that was cool. But check out what ChatGPT just did. It's actually helping me understand. Like that to me is going to like pull the the wind, the rug out from my under me, the wind out of my sails, whatever idiom you want. Yeah. That's going to be, that's, that's going to hit me in that dignity spot, right? Hmm. When they're leaning on the AI more than they're leaning on my pedagogy, my curriculum, my teacher craft. Yeah, that. And it's because the AI is your teacher. You, my teacher, right? Like the algorithm and the the, the way that we interact with it over time, once it really um, learns us as a user, it can learn, it could do equity work in a way that we would never be able to. Yeah. To, to explain things to you in the ways that you like things explained. Yeah. Not, but, but you're losing, you're losing the diversity of explanations and, and ways to explain. Right. So, so there's that. And what you were talking about makes me think of, uh, you know, people that are like survivalists or even like farmers, you know, there, there's a point where like, farmers or maybe let's just go with those that like the survivalists that's what they're called survivalists yeah yeah, I, I yeah. Call them that. so so they learn these skills right or yeah. they grew up with these skills to survive in the wild um and and it's kind of like well just in case we're gonna need these skills right and there's a part of the survivalist that is paranoid there's a part of the survivalist that is like 
feeling self-sufficient and proud and has dignity and like, hey, if something goes down, I feel good. Mm-hmm. And then there's a part of the survivalist that pities everyone else that doesn't know these skills. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they're missing out. Like, well, if something happens, I feel bad, you know, like that they're not getting the same, they don't have the same knowledge, skills, and abilities that I have, right? Right. Um, and I think about that now with where we are with all this technology. Like, there's a, you know, it's like, well, I could say these things in this way, and I could write this way, and I could do all of these different things that nobody needs to do. Right, right, right. <laughs> but just in case I'm over here able to do it. Yeah. I feel bad for you because you should really know how to do it right. just in case. Right. <laughs> right. That's the other side of this argument. And I'm not saying I'm that's how I think about it. I'm saying right. this is a way to think about it. Right. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of don't like that, though. Well, no, I mean, it makes me think of like, no, you need to know how to write an in-class essay because one day you're going to have to write an in-class essay. Where? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Where, where, where are we doing that? Oh, in, in the next. Yeah. And then in the next class that you teach or one of your buddies teach. Right. Okay. (laughs) But you know what else this makes me think of? Like, cause I, I know this is coming. Like, I've yeah. watched that that crazy. No, it's not crazy. I've watched the Khan Academy video where the person's talking about AI and these teacher machines that are coming and how that's going to free the teacher. I take it as crazy because it's spinning my world around. But it's it's not. It's going to be like what you think six years, eight years at the max, where the students will be teaching at that point. Will this is what they will have been experiencing the whole time through k through 12 a version of this like the tutor is now this sort of responsive ai thing Mm -hmm. they're going to get to my class and that's their go-to like that is their that's what's helped them through like and then they really benefit from it and they're gonna say where are the butts where are the butts where are they at yeah that's what they're gonna ask us right exactly well we'll probably have them by then but yeah well that but it, it makes me think like i mean okay the lecture approach, the Socratic discussion approach, list your pedagogical approach, like how any new learning management system, any new classroom configuration, any new ed tech, like it's always going to hit us in that dignity spot, right? Like you're suddenly telling me this way that I know is effective because I've seen the fruit of it um, no longer applies. And I can resist that for a while, but once my students start to misunderstand it because they're leaning on some experiences that I'm just not practicing myself. Yeah. That's when it's like, fuck, you know? Well, I, I, there's ways to adapt though there. Right. right? For sure. Do you think, do you think Harvard's going to have all those bots? Oh yeah. Yeah, I do. Do you think they'll be as heavily, they'll be used in the same way? Yeah, I, I really think this is, yeah, I think, I think, yep, I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, and I only ask that because there is, the there's always room to do things differently. Yeah. But you need to own that identity, right? You need to be, this is the place we do it like this. That's right. I mean, I think of like, um, you know, there are certain universities and things like that, that, that are certainly known for not having grades or just doing things in a totally different, and you know, if you go there, you're getting that, you're going there for that experience. I think that that's going to be really important to kind of define what that is for, for colleges and especially, you know, for the one we work at. So, yeah. Um, There's a, there's a quote that speaks to this. Uh, I'll read it really quickly. Hi, Krista. We're probably going to leave that in. This is the podcast, Krista. Yeah, you're on the podcast, but yeah, we're going to leave that in. That you're, you're, you're here. Okay, go back to the quote. All right. But, oh. No, there's no video in the podcast, though. Oh. They're just, they can hear you. That's it. Oh. Yeah, it's a purely audio medium. That's <laughs> our fantastic resident psychologist. Yes. Hi, everyone. Go for it, Curry. 
We are better users of technology when we are thinking critically about the nature and effects of that technology. What we most do, oh, sorry, what we must do is work to encourage students and ourselves to think critically about new tools and more importantly, the tools we already use. And when we're working for solutions, sorry, when we're looking for solutions, what we must, what we most need to change is our thinking and not our tools. So that's it, right? It's our thinking about these things. Um, yes. Yeah. Because there's, there's nothing we can do really about the other stuff, right? Right. Um, and not nothing we can do. That's a total lack of agency. Right. There is something we can do. But but as far as, you know, it's kind of like, do you, are you just going to stand by while the world passes you up, right? Um, yep. And that is... That is the response we're seeing from some folks. Uh, but, you know, that that's not going to work for very long. And if you're closer to retirement age, I, I feel like, and, and I'm not even saying that to be insulting. I feel like that I would maybe feel more like that too, you know, and be like, hey, everybody else, like you could go ahead and handle all of, go for it. Like, that's great. But I'm, I'm, I'm on my way out and I really don't want to be up on all of that, you yeah. know, at this yeah. moment. No, it's totally true. And I, this is actually, this is how I'm thinking about this right now with my students. It's, it's like, uh, you know, I'm telling them, I'm honestly telling them, listen, process is so important to writing process is so important to reading and we individualize those things. And so I'm coming at all of this, your teacher with these kinds of like go-to tools like I handwrite on the side to get my thinking going. I use the keyboard to really draft. I That's my process. Some of you will do things like that, but not exactly that. And then I go and like folks who are in sixth grade right now who are learning to write are yeah. going to come into my class with a completely different set of technologies and tools and processes that they use to write. And there's going to be a point where I'm going to be like, I, I'm not sure that I can internalize anything new. So this is now time for someone else to <laughs> lead me, right? That's right. And that's why we should always kind of lean on 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 um, not just younger, but newer faculty, exactly. you know, people who are, you know, going through all of this yep. and coming out the other side with the reflection of here's what's here's what works and here's what doesn't, you know? Um, so there is in here a more positive way of looking at it too, right? Talks about, um, if you remember the Blixstein, uh, Paulo Blixstein talking about free air and how this can actually, in his words, advance and disseminate a Freerian aesthetic. Um, so the, talks about this from a consideration of the relationship between the human and knowing to a consideration of the relationship between the human and the material, the product of the learning, not just the systems of learning. Hmm. So this, this is interesting where they write, he says that computers are carriers of powerful ideas and of the seeds of cultural change. They help people form new relationships with knowledge that cut ac across traditional lines. Mm -hmm. Now that uh, mm -hmm. true, right? When used well, we get exposed to um, different ways of thinking, different ways of being, different ways of living. And it helps get this information out to a wide range of people. Um, at the same time, though, the form new relationships with knowledge, mm -hmm. and this was written a while ago, right? Mm -hmm. But now confronting the AI, I was going to say monster, what a negative way to <laughs> frame uh, that juggernaut. Uh, it's okay, still cool. negative, but it's really, it is a juggernaut, right? Yeah. Um, so the, when confronted with artificial intelligence and and what it's doing right now i think of the relationship that relationship with knowledge it's becoming like a weird pseudo human relationship mm -hmm. you know where like you said like it, it it 
it's tailoring itself to you. It, 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 it doesn't tell you what you want to hear, but it definitely tells you in the way that you want to hear, right? As we talked about earlier. So I, I feel like our relationship with knowledge is about to become a lot more intimate. Yeah. That, yeah. For sure. Okay. And that's, that, that's a new thing. I, I want to say it's also kind of a weird thing that we're d- developing it that way. Mm-hmm. We haven't done that before. It's it's no. a textbook written in a disciplinary voice, or it's a teacher with their 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 whole self brought to the space, or mostly their whole self brought to the space. We haven't yet designed a vessel for accessing content that then can shape itself into what I want it to sound like. It can be my mirror as much as my window. We we haven't. That's. I, that's weird. I, I can, I keep going back to, cause I don't know how else to think about it. I haven't experienced it yet. I don't know mm-hmm. how it's going to work totally. Um, I think it's weird, but probably we, we, we've done it for groups, right? Sure. Think about like literary genres, right? Sure. Like young adults, like yeah. speaking to this group. Yeah. They're speaking on behalf of this group to this group. Right. So that that's, you know, there's, there's something there, but, and, and some of it can get to like, this is really speaking to me. Yeah. But it's really speaking to a you as a member of a larger group of a social section, right? Yeah. But but now it's like, no, this is actually just for Curry. Yeah. And and in the way that Curry is going to keep interacting with it. And I can tell it. I want you to I want you to tell me this stuff, but uh in the voice of Sean Davis, with Sean Davis's personality, including oh, all the jokes and the 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 things the analogies oh my. <laughs> and you will be my teacher forever oh no <laughs> yeah then i'm really obsolete at that point <laughs> oh man we gotta we gotta end on a good note okay let's end on a good note okay usually if we go to the end of the article there's like some kind of hope that's true i see the word aphorism that sounds positive the, oh. it's got an aff that's always a good start <laughs> Oh, wait, the last paragraph always works. Let's do it. Go for it. All right. So critical digital pedagogy must also be a method of resistance and humanization. It is not simply work done in the mind on paper or on screen. It is work that must be done on the ground. It is not ashamed of its rallying cry or its soapbox. Digital critical digital pedagogy eats what was the word? Aphorisms. Aphorisms. We found it. There it is. Like this one right here for breakfast. Nice. But it is not afraid to incite, to post its manifestos, to light its torches. Okay, this was written a while ago because that has a different meaning now. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that one didn't age well. Um, oh. <laughs> that's funny so i appreciate this what do we call this essay this chapter yeah because it's about the praxis yeah it's about what we're actually doing and it's thinking about what we're actually doing uh very much being critical of what we're doing constantly reflecting constantly being in this process of like why are we doing this? How are we doing this? Is that the right way to do it? Is it humanizing? Is it dehumanizing? Are we treating them like numbers? Are we treating them like, you know, uh, vessels or or vessels to be to be filled? Or are we um, are we centering learning? That's it. Are we centering learning? Yeah. You know, we say, we hear student centered a lot. We hear instructor centered. That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> but but this here really it's. It might be one of the only times I've I've heard that the learning is actually centered rather than uh, the people within the learning. Right on. Yeah. Yep. Any 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 final thoughts, Krista, about learning at the center? Learning at the center. Yeah. Instead of like you know all this like instructor center, student center, it's like no learning is actually at the center. I agree. Yeah. Krista agrees. Perfect. We did it. I have to be honest. I wasn't. I was making an exam. Right. (laughs) Learning at the center. With learning at the center.
There it is. Cool. All right. If you heard anything in this episode that has you thinking about how you teach, why you teach, or if anything made you feel joyful or even mad, like you just yelled at your dishes or whooped while you were walking your neighborhood, I've done those things. <laughs> then we really want to hear from you. You can find us on the Twitter at Safe Topics. Let us know how you're responding to today's book stuff. Like, what did we miss? Or what did we totally get right? Or what questions did we raise for you? And best of all, how are you thinking about your teaching and students? We'll update what we're reading so you can read along if you want. And your feedback will shape our discussions as we go. We may even read some comments in the episodes to come. And not just the nice ones. Safe Topics is a safe setting for dangerous topics. That's right. If you like this episode, please rate and subscribe. We've never really asked people to do that before. I know. I think it's cool, though. We're ready to be rated and subscribed Yeah, and big thanks to Kelly Burnett and the rest of the Safe Topics team for editing, producing, promoting, and all the other wonderful backstage stuff you do. <laughs> and thank you for listening. 